Welcome to Line Upon Line, brought to you by It Is Written. This is where we answer your Bible questions. Temptation is not sin. It's when we yield ourselves to that thing. That's when it becomes sin. I believe what this is, and I'm going to trust you. So what prophecies were they studying that helped them know when the Messiah would come? That's a good question. And I think we've got a pretty good answer for you here. Hi there, and welcome to Line Upon Line, brought to you by It Is Written. This is where we get the opportunity to answer Bible questions submitted by It Is Written viewers. If you've submitted a question, thanks. If you'd like to, email us, lineuponline at iiw.org. I'm John Bradshaw. With me is Wes Peppers. Thanks for being here. Good to be here, Pastor John. I'm going to start with a question for you. Sounds good. From Crystal, who writes... Why did the devil stop the angel Gabriel for 21 days from answering Daniel's prayer? Do you think the devil can do this to any of God's people today? That's an interesting one. You know, he he showed up, he goes, you know, I'd have been here sooner, but the devil messed with me and we were dealing with the situation over here. It's odd to think that an angel of God would be delayed by the devil. Mm -hmm. It seems to indicate, it could seem to some, that the devil would be stronger than an angel, but... Really, that's not the case. You find this in, of course, Daniel's prayer, Daniel, uh, uh, the last chapters there. And basically, it's, it's very simple. God, again, works with the freedom of choice of individuals. And the devil can create circumstances in the hearts of people where, you know, they harden their heart or whatever. And God's will will ultimately work out, but God arranges things so that people will then choose certain things and it opens the door for God's will to be done. So God doesn't just always arbitrarily make his will done. He works through the hearts of human beings. And those hearts have to be open. And that's why when we pray to God to open the heart of our neighbor, our loved one, our relative, Sometimes that takes time, and God will begin to arrange circumstances for that to take place. Yeah, that's right. It's that, it's that simple. You pray a prayer that your neighbor is going to come to faith mm-hmm. in Christ. It may take 50 years. Yes. You know what I'm saying. Yes. Paul wrote that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Mm-hmm. There's an ongoing right. war, a battle going on. It's not like God snaps his fingers. doesn't mean that the devil had more powerful nope. power than the angel or than God. That God was was working on a thing that was going to take some time to work out. God chooses to work through a process. Amen, amen. Angie asks, if an individual died as a child or baby, do you think he or she will grow up in heaven? Do you think babies that die or children that die will grow up in heaven? Well, first let's be careful. We cannot say they all will. We don't know. Will every child, you know, you've got to imagine that some won't, right? Mm-hmm. Given their background, their parents, their situation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that we can say they all will. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying I, I don't think we have permission to say every child under the age of 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, I don't know, yeah. will be in heaven. I don't know. But having said that, what would you say? Sure. I mean, the Bible indicates this in Malachi chapter 4. It talks about uh, them growing up like calves in a stall. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 8, it talks about children uh, doing activities in heaven. And certainly I believe that there'll be children, uh, you know, babies will be placed in their mother's arms. Yes. And those circumstances are going to be left to God. What we do know is those children that 
won't that will be left out of heaven. Those that wouldn't be in heaven, they're not going to be suffering in any way. They're not going to be, right. you know, thrown into the pits of hell. But the Bible indicates that some may be as though they never were, mm-hmm. and so they may not be raised. But it does speak of Isaiah chapter sixty-five about. Uh, children growing up in heaven and those that have died as children those that are in heaven will grow up in heaven and i think the bible is pretty clear about that and you know there's different passages that seem to indicate the same thing so we want to be careful uh, about that because we don't have all the answers but there are pretty good indications of that in the bible outstanding we're happy about that we have a question from mark who asks jesus said that in three days he would raise the temple meaning his body but Jesus was only in the tomb for technically one full day. How do we explain the three days? Well, the Bible says, and Jesus himself said again and again, he would be in the grave three days. There was a time he said three days and three nights. There was a time he said three days. There was a time it says he would be raised the third day. There's another time it says after three days, which could be four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days. But that's that's the that's the time frame. Some people get hung up on three days yeah. and three nights, even though there's the third day. So we need you to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Jesus died on Friday afternoon. It was the preparation day. Died at about three o'clock on Friday afternoon, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, the ninth hour. Mm-hmm. We know also that he was in the grave on the Sabbath, and then by Sunday morning, or on Sunday morning, he was raised. Uh, The Marys and others went down to the tomb and found that his body was not in the grave, and one Mary even uh, had a very close encounter with Jesus. Part of Friday, Saturday, and part of Sunday. Um, When we approach this, there's something called, you may have heard of this, inclusive reckoning where part of a day was considered by Jewish writers to be to constitute a day and a night. So part of Friday, part of all of Saturday, part of Sunday, that's three days right there. may not be 72 hours, but that's three days. You got anything to add to that? Yeah, some people try to change. They try to say, oh, well, he was probably crucified on a Wednesday, Wednesday and yeah. this type of a thing. There's no evidence for that whatsoever. And then they try to say, that the Sabbath that's referred to is, was a feast Sabbath or whatever. None of these things are biblical. The Bible says he was crucified on the day before the Sabbath, and then they went back and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Well, which commandment? The fourth commandment in the Ten Commandments. So it's obviously a reference to the seventh-day Sabbath. And then on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. So those other lines of reasoning, they just don't add up as much as just reading the Bible as it says. Crucified on that Friday, died, resurrected on the first day of the week. On the third day, he rose. And there was a reference that Jesus gave to that. So all those are, are really the same reference, that he would die, and then on the third day he'd rise. So it's pretty clear from the Bible. There's not really any need for confusion. Okay. Lee asks... Can people who lived a just life be saved even if they do not believe in Jesus Christ? That's an interesting one because the Bible says there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus saves, no one else saves. But if someone hasn't believed in Jesus, is it possible 
that they could be saved? Well, uh, in the Bible, it does indicate that there will be those who will come up to heaven to Jesus and say, what are those scars that are in your hand? It's possible that people have not heard the name of Jesus, but God would speak to them through their conscience. Maybe they never read the Bible, but he speaks to them through their conscience, through nature, through other means. And as he impresses upon their hearts ways to follow him, they respond to that. And that's faith. They may not understand all the details, but they've responded to the voice of God in their heart, in their life, and that's the same as accepting Jesus. So for some, it may be a surprise, but nonetheless, it'll still be by grace that they were saved. They just didn't understand all the concepts. In Romans chapter 1, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, and we're speaking about Gentiles here, are without excuse. Mm-hmm. So even they who haven't heard the name of Jesus yes. have that opportunity. Yes. Now, of course, this raises questions. Why are we trying to take the gospel to the world and so on and so on? And so on? Because we want people to know Jesus personally as Lord and Savior, that the knowledge of Jesus would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's right. I would say these are the exceptions, not the rules. Mm-hmm. That's right, the exceptions. And the very best option for someone to be saved is to be presented with Jesus and that they make their own conscientious decision to follow him. By the way, that verse about the wounds between his hands, yeah. that's Zechariah 13, verse 6. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, those are the people that uh, may not have known Jesus by name, may not have had him preaching, may not have read the Bible, but they responded to the voice of God. He says, the question is, what are those wounds? He says, yes. those are the wounds with which I was wounded in the house, house of, of my, my friends. friends. That's amazing, huh? Isn't that strong? That's amazing. Mm. Linda asks, why was Enoch not with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration when they came to strengthen Jesus? You had Moses there. He was representative yep. of all of those who would be saved through Jesus' death after being raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. Elijah was representative of all of those who would be saved when Jesus comes back. They would be translated without seeing death. In the Bible, it says that they were there on the mountain talking with Jesus about his decease, which he would accomplish in Jerusalem. So you got Moses, Elijah. Where's poor old Enoch? Mm -hmm. Don't know. Don't know. We know that the Bible says he walked with God and God took him. I imagine he's in heaven, probably looking on, but the Bible doesn't say specifically. What I find interesting, this is a reference to Matthew chapter 17, and in the uh, previous chapter, the end of chapter 16, it's Jesus said this, verse 28, Assuredly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Pastor John, I listened to a program once in which an atheist used that verse verse to say Christianity is bogus because he says, well, when did they ever do that? Well, in the next chapter, you have Jesus bringing them up, Mm. Moses and Elijah appear, and that was a symbol, a representation of him coming in his kingdom. And so where is Enoch? Don't know. But the reason Moses and Elijah are there is, as you said, they symbolize uh, events at the end of time, the death and resurrection of the saints, and those that will be translated. That's a pretty powerful, compelling thing to me. Don't know where Enoch was. Maybe you have an answer. I have the same answer you have. Don't know. Uh, Shay asks this question. It's said that after the crucifixion, 
Jesus went down to Sheol. One of the malefactors, malefactors asked him to be with him, and Jesus said that he would be with him in paradise. Would it be reasonable to conclude that the malefactor, that's the thief, went to paradise? We would say no. Is it reasonable to conclude that the thief on the cross will go to paradise? Yes. It was Sunday morning. Mary was at the tomb. Rabboni, she said, and Jesus said, do not detain me, touch me not. I have not yet ascended to my Father which is in heaven. Jesus hadn't gone to heaven by Sunday morning. The thief on the cross certainly didn't go to heaven. Remember me when you come in your kingdom. Has that happened yet? Hasn't happened yet. No, no, no. And Jesus said, Mr. Thief, I tell you right now, you will be with me in paradise. That's right. now, now, some bright spark, put the comma after, verily I say unto you, comma, today you'll be with me in paradise. Did you know you can get translations of the Bible that put the comma in the right place? Mm-hmm. Yes, you yes. can. You absolutely can. Jesus wasn't telling the thief, you're going to heaven today. He was saying, I'm telling you today, you're going to go to heaven. Yeah. He had said that many other times. Yeah. Very, verily, I say to you today, and then he would state some truth, and this was another time he did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful assurance. Uh, I don't know whether he sang it or not, but the thief on the cross might have been able to sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus mm-hmm. is mine. He knew that when he woke up after sleeping the sleep of death, he would be on his way to heaven. We're on our way to a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. More Line Upon Line brought to you by It Is Written. More and more people are watching It Is Written TV. They're watching their favorite It Is Written programs, listening to inspiring sermon series, and much more. They're watching them here, here, and even here. See for yourself why people are turning to It Is Written TV to watch their favorite Christian programs live and on demand. Watch It Is Written TV for free anytime on Roku, Apple TV, and at itiswritten.tv. December 30th, a brand new season of Sabbath School begins as we take an unforgettable journey through the Book of Psalms with the author of the Sabbath School lesson, Dr. Dragoslava Santrak. Slava, what are we going to learn? Eric, the Book of Psalms has given hope to millions of people for thousands of years, and I'm excited to share the world of the Psalms with you. So join us for a brand new journey through the Book of Psalms starting December 30th here on It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Line Upon Line, brought to you by It Is Written. You know, we'd love to get your Bible questions, if you have one or more. If you'd like to submit questions to us for answering on this program, email us at lineuponline at iiw.org. I'll say it again, lineuponline at iiw.org. Pastor Wes Peppers, we have a question from Fernando. Will hellfire actually kill the wicked? Well, the Bible's pretty clear about that. It says in Revelation chapter 20 that that hell experiences the second death. It says fire comes down from heaven and devours them. Psalm 37 verse 20, uh, the wicked will perish into smoke. They shall consume away. Yes. Uh, Malachi chapter 4, they'll be turned into ashes upon the earth. Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. There's numerous verses that say that it's death. Let me give you one here. Ezekiel chapter 28, speaking about the devil. Mm-hmm. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, yeah. it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Even the 
devil is going to be reduced to ashes. So it's pretty hard to imagine that the devil would be destroyed, but his followers would not be destroyed and would instead burn and burn and burn and burn by uh, uh, at the behest of a God who would absolutely have to be a tyrant. If we don't briefly, we've done this several times before, but we need to. You, you cannot go on by without talking about the forever texts. Mm-hmm. There's about two or yeah. three of them. Why yeah. does God say in a couple of places, the smoke of their torment is centered up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night? Well, it's very simple. And, you know, in the context of the Bible, 53 times the Bible uses the word forever for an event that's already ended. Yeah, it's probably more than that, actually. It's probably more than that. And we use um, that same word today. I was at the store and I was in line forever. Yeah, and I we went use to, it freely. I went to church and listened to West preach. He went on forever. Went on forever yeah. and ever. So I, I, they said about me, I go on forever. forever. Then they said about you forever. Forever and ever. And ever. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I doubt that might be literal. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, that phrase is used sometimes. And, 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 and it doesn't, you know, when you look at the context, the time is going to come when the wicked will be burned and they are turned into ashes. They cannot continue to burn if they're ashes. So the context is that the result of that, the judgment of that, the ending of that, the wicked will be dead forever. They're not burning forever. The result of the fire is forever. I want to push back. Go ahead. Because, you know, we we don't we get the questions, but we don't get the year but. So let me give you yes. the year but. Yeah. yeah, but that just sounds really convenient. Mm-hmm. Here you are on TV. Okay. I mean, a person can only yell at the TV screen. Yeah. They, they, can't, they can't actually grab your tie and shake you right. up and say, well, Thank listen, man. for that. You've got forever and ever mm-hmm. and forever and ever, and it's mm-hmm. there a couple of three times. And it, and it could sound to somebody like, well, yes, 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 but I'm, I'm ignoring that and I'm pointing to some other verses. Why are you not guilty of just ignoring the obvious forever and ever and, 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 and running off to some into smoke they shall consume away? Why can you say with confidence it's this and not that when that is pretty graphic? Mm-hmm. It's pretty graphic. Um, you know, it's it's... The Bible is either speaking the same language or it's not. Okay. It, the Bible says they're, the fire devours them. Yes. It says that they are destroyed. It is the second death. They are turned into ashes. If they are burning forever and ever, that cannot be the case. Yeah. So it's either saying the same thing or it's not. What you've got is the overwhelming weight of evidence. Yes. You've got a couple of verses in Revelation, mm-hmm. which is a hugely symbolic book. Mm-hmm. If we try to understand what those verses mean, we'll see that they mean the same as the rest of those references, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were tempted to be that one who says, oh man, I don't want to go along with that, what we're really saying is, well, first, we respect your right to go along with whatever you want, but what we're looking at is the preponderance of evidence. There's an avalanche of Scripture that makes it clear that the wicked don't burn forever. And then, if they did, what does that say about God? He believes in justice. He doesn't believe in torture. God is not malicious. But a God who sees to it that people burn forever and ever and ever is nothing less than a tyrant. That's right. All right. Thanks, Fernando. Great question. This is a really interesting one. It's from Matthew. My belief is that God does not cause sin but he permits it. So how can I reconcile God knitting us in our mother's womb while also maintaining that God does not will or cause 
severe birth defects. Before we proceed with an answer, boy, we need to acknowledge that there's there's a lot of people dealing with some real challenges. And when a child is born with a uh, what you refer to as a defect, maybe someone call it a disability, maybe someone wouldn't call it a disability, and maybe a possibility. But we all know what we're talking about here. There's some real sad things that that are witnessed in a maternity room, and that can be really tough. And then people, particularly believers, might start asking some searching questions of God. Like, wow, I thought I thought you loved us, and um, we've been so good, and we've gone to church, and 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 all of that. The question really, you know, we can boil it down is um, if God doesn't cause sin, what's up with this thing? If God doesn't cause sin, why birth defects? Yeah. Sin is very degenerative. And through generations, it has had its impact on, uh, on humanity. Mm. And the, it is, you know, as it's degenerated humanity and as we're digressing, there are issues that rise, yeah. and it's not that God is just pointing and saying, "Oh, this one, this person did this sin, so let's give their child that." It's it's an it's a cumulative impact of sin upon the world, and and really, it's not God's original design. But our bodies have digressed; they they have issues. I, because I don't know everything, I'm I'm not going to act like I do. Sure, hundred years ago. We weren't spraying our crops with chemicals. Mm-hmm. Hundred years ago, we weren't genetically modifying food. Now, hey, listen, all of those things could be okay. I, I, I'm not saying they're not. I'm raising a question here. Hundred years ago, we weren't filling our kids with medications mm-hmm. like we are now. Hundred years ago, we weren't locking our kids in tiny little apartments. They were roaming around outdoors on farms. Or, 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 yeah. or the, Look, I, that's a generalization, sure. but they had much more outdoor activity. Mm-hmm. We weren't serving them processed food, much of which is known to be cancer-causing. A yes. uh, hundred years ago, I don't know, yeah, hundred years ago, uh, weren't so many people smoking, uh, weren't using illegal drugs. I know hundred years ago we had some issues. Mm-hmm. The point is our kids today are being raised in this absolute soup of contamination. Mm -hmm. Parents who conceive children are existing in that same soup. It's not surprising that there'd be birth defects. Sure. Sure. You understand? Oh, absolutely. And again, I'm not blaming any one of those things, but I'm saying let's throw all of those into the basket mm-hmm. and then ask how any child is born healthy mm-hmm. given the chemical stew and the environmental sludge that this world is marinating in. Mm-hmm. There'd be a temptation, wouldn't there, to, to, to blame God or to hold God responsible for tragedies that occur. I think God God's heart aches. Sure it does. Why doesn't God intervene to stop all of these things? I don't know. But he's given me ample evidence in the Bible to suggest that I can trust him anyway. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And the fact that sometimes that God doesn't intervene is not, as some people like to claim, evidence that he doesn't exist. It's evidence that we are in a world of sin, that we're in a battle between good and evil. The earth is growing old like a garment. To add to the list that you gave, the food that we do grow, even the good food, is not as nutritious as it once was. That's right. And so, as I said before, there's a degenerative effect upon humanity 
that is going to cause more and more problems. But the good news is, is that Jesus is going to come soon, and all of that's going to be restored to what he originally intended, and that's going to be a day. And so we know that all of these things that we see in the world now are not God's original plan. His original plan was altered because of sin, but it will be restored because of his goodness. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Don asks, if the wise men had some knowledge of Daniel through the years, mentioned, because the wise men, you know, showed up looking for the birth of Jesus. He references Numbers 24 and Daniel 9. Um, Why? Because Micah 5.2 says, Bethlehem, Mm -hmm. did they go to Jerusalem? Mm -hmm. So given the wise men's knowledge of Scripture, why'd they go to Jerusalem instead of Bethlehem? Now, Now, they were wise, sure, but they weren't doctors of divinity. They were doing the best they could with what they had. I would say a couple of reasons why they went to Jerusalem and not Bethlehem. Number one, because they didn't know everything. And they were acting with the little information that they had. And number two, God ordered it that way. Yes, he did. So they got to Jerusalem and said, hey, where's he that's born king of the Jews? Herod was like, what in the world's going on? The, the religious leaders started to study, and they said, well, it does say Bethlehem. That's why they went mm-hmm. to Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. God worked it that way so that he could uh, get people studying yes. to alert. This is the mercy of God. God was alerting his people that the Messiah had been born. These wise men from the east had figured it out, and God's own people with their advanced theological training couldn't understand any of it. Yeah. So, so God ordered it that way to bring more publicity to the birth of Jesus. It's amazing that you have these people who are not Jews, not of God's people, coming and informing the Jewish people of oh, yeah. their Messiah, and they didn't know anything about it. Uh, they had a totally different idea, and it's really a rebuke. And so, But yes, God ordered that, and there were a number of events that happened afterwards mm-hmm. that was necessary for them to be there. So it's a, it was a good thing. Okay, last question. Martha asks a question. This could take long or short. It could take really short, actually. Mm-hmm. Why did it take 2,000 years for Christianity to spread? <laughs> then she asks why there are so many denominations. I doubt we'll get to that, but we might. We've only got a minute and a half. Why did it take 2,000 years for Christianity to spread? The fact of the matter is it didn't. It didn't. The Bible says the gospel went to every creature under heaven. That's right. A relatively short amount of time. That's right. So, and, and you know, Africa received Christianity really early, and Thomas, they say, went to India. India, yeah. You know, I went to a place. I was on the island of Patmos. You go to Patmos, you know what you can see on Patmos? Thomas's head. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Indians are really interested, given that they yeah. believe Thomas died in India. Yeah, a shot full of arrows. I yeah, thought. I was a little disappointed to see that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Thomas's head. Yep. You never know what you're going to see. And that I think that kind of feeds into the question, because there's... Uh, people have their different fractions and they've gone off in this direction, that direction. That's not really to doubt the truth of God. It's to doubt the judgment of humanity. Yeah, that's right. That's why there's so, so many that's denominations. That's really what it is. You know, denominations have sprung up because people wanted to go only so far with the Bible mm-hmm. and not further. Yeah, Some right. people wanted to follow their own inclination. Some were genuine and only made it halfway to the truth. Others made it three quarters of the way. Mm-hmm. One denomination came up because a guy didn't like the pastor's spouse. Right. And so on and so on. That's so on. right. All right. Martha, you be faithful. That's what yeah. we want to encourage you to do. Be faithful. Hey, thanks, Wes. Another good one. Thank you. Appreciate that. We are grateful to you for submitting your Bible questions. If you've got one you'd like answered, would you email us line upon line at IIW.org? Line upon line at IIW.org. He is Wes Peppers. I am John Bradshaw. This has been Line Upon Line, brought to you by It's Is Written. It's Written.